All right, you've been waiting for it, and now it's here. It's the first ever Ask Ginny episode. I would like to say I'm very nervous about this, and I have not seen the questions ahead of time, so this could be really bad or really good. <laughs> we pulled questions from social media, our community, and the universe in general to find out what you want to know about communications. You know what we discovered was on your collective minds? Lots and lots about tracking analytics and data, you glorious nerds. Let's get going. If you're a communications pro who works hard, doesn't compromise quality, and gets the job done, welcome home. We'll share our tips, tricks, and stories, and together we will change the face of PR. Spin sucks, but we don't. With the Spin Sucks podcast, here's Jenny Dietrich. Welcome back to the Spin Sucks podcast. Getting this episode read, learned, done has been a lot of fun. I love hearing from you about what you're working on and what you're wondering, and you can always get in touch with questions in the Spin Sucks community. So here we go. Like I said, I have not seen these questions ahead of time. My team did vet them, so hopefully there's nothing in here inappropriate, but here we go. The first question today is from Kimberly, who wonders, what are the top analytics we're covering to measure the impact of a blog on business goals? Such a glorious question, Kimberly. Of course, I'm not naive enough to think that we don't need the vanity metrics, and the vanity metrics are things like unique visitors, time spent on the site, the bounce rate. You want that bounce rate to be low because if it's 100% or 90% or you know 80%, it's because people are not finding what they want. And you want to make sure that they are hanging out and consuming content because you're creating content on a blog, right? So that's what you want. So those things matter. They do not measure the impact of a blog on business goals, but they do give you a starting point at that, what I guess I would call the top of the funnel, where you know whether or not something's working. And then as you go down, you want to make sure that you know, you're getting things like social media referral traffic and that you're getting organic traffic and things like that. But at the very end, you want to know what those readers are doing, what those visitors are doing. Maybe not always readers. Your blog could certainly be audio or video as well. So they may not necessarily be reading or only reading, I guess. You want to know what's happening with those people. And that's where the integration with the customer relationship management software is really important. If you don't have access to that, I would ask clients for it or ask your whoever manages it internally for it because it's important for you to have access to that data because you can easily track you know, somebody who has visited the site and then has become a subscriber and then maybe has downloaded some content and then scheduled a demo or a sales call or asked for a proposal or a quote and then has converted into a customer. And you can prove that that all started with, you know, a piece of content. So I would definitely get access to the CRM if you don't have it and start to track those kinds of things. And that's what you want to track when you're looking at how well your blog is working for your business or for a client's business. And while we're talking about blogging, let's cover a question from Maylin, who's wondering about other channels that matter to your audience. They ask what is the best way or best resource to find out which channels are even used by your target audience. They've tried census reports, but are looking for more tools. So this is really important to determine at the beginning of any communications plan, because if you're not where your audience is, you're kind of wasting your time. So when you're trying to figure out what other channels matter to your audience, the very best way to do this is to ask. And I've told this story, I think I've even told this story, I certainly tell this story on the blog, but I think I've even told this story in the podcast about our doors and locks client 
who five years ago was trying to figure out this very same thing. And, you know, it, our, uh, educated guests would have been LinkedIn that that's where they were hanging out, but they weren't, they weren't hanging out on LinkedIn. They were hanging out in forums and they were hanging out on Reddit and they were hanging out in subreddits and that we knew that because we asked. So we sent a survey monkey survey monkey. You can do for free. And we just sent a link and we asked, we sent it to the email subscribers. We sent it to customers and then we started to build from there. And now five years, fast forward, five years later, that survey that the leadership team uses every year, it's grown from just where do you hang out on social to other types of things that help dictate some of the leadership quandaries that they're trying to fix. But that's the easiest ways to ask. You know, if you have a customer service team, have them ask when they talk to people. If you have a sales team, have them ask when they're with prospects. If you have a good email list, you certainly have email addresses for your customers. Send an email with a survey link and have them do it. Not everybody will fill it out, but it's a really quick and easy way to get a good grasp of what's important and where the things that matter. And you definitely should not make assumptions. Next, being able to track and measure what is and isn't working in your business and in your communications plans are critical. We all have limited resources and we need to make the best use of them. One of our community members, Greg, oh no, <laughs> This is scary. Okay. Wanted to hear a little bit about how SpinSucks is going as a business. Which of our business activities contribute what percentage of revenue? All right. So I'm very transparent. I will tell you that as of 2018, SpinSucks drives more revenue than the PR side of things, which was a big, big goal for us going into 2017. We knew that by, actually, we gave ourselves three years. So by 2020, we wanted to have Spin sucks generating as much, if not more, revenue than Armit Dietrich does. We hit that in July of this year, and we're doing it through information and products. So we have online courses, we have a big agency owner program that teaches agency owners how to scale their business and grow pretty significantly. It also teaches them how to predict cash flow and scalability. I love it because I get to work with other agency owners and watch them grow. And it's pretty fantastic. We have that. We have, of course, the PR dream team. We have eBooks and, you know, challenges that we do every year. And, you know, some of those things aren't money makers. Some of those things we do at a really low cost just to give the industry some things to learn best practices and to evolve their careers. And then other things we charge a lot of money for because we know that our clients are making money. So, yeah, I mean, it has surpassed Armand Dietrich by, gosh, 160%, somewhere in there. And it's because for the last three years, we've been really focused on scaling that side of the business so that we can give back more to the industry, which is one of our goals. The Spinsug's vision is to change the perception that people have of the PR industry. And to do that, we continue to provide information, content. Some things are free and some things are not. So Spin Sucks as a business is doing fairly well. Thank you very much. And then Shane asks, how do you figure out what, if any, tasks in your business can and should be outsourced to other companies, freelancers, and contractors? Oh, that one's hard. Okay. So there's a couple of metrics that I like to use. For every quarter of a million dollars in revenue, so $250,000 in revenue, you need a full-time person. So if you scale that back, you can be profitable 
and most agencies use this number, use this metric, you can be profitable at 130 to 150 for a full-time person. So if you have 130 to $150,000 in revenue, you can keep yourself employed and shouldn't outsource much, if anything. If you have $300,000 in revenue, you need to add a full-time person. That may be two contractors. It may be a full-time W-2 employee. It may be four contractors that are 25% each, you know, depending on what it is that you need. But those are the metrics that I would use. $150,000 makes it so that you're still profitable. $250,000 makes it so you're crazy profitable. So it just depends on how hard you want to work and whether or not you can do the work that you've sold. Because as any entrepreneur knows, sometimes you sell things before you know that you can actually do it. So Shane, that's how I would do that. And because we're getting into outsourcing, Maureen and another Kimberly are wondering about contractors, how we arrange relationships with them, tools for organizing payment, and how it all fits in with client versus internal work. We actually treat our contractors like employees, which means if they want, they are invited to join our team meetings. They are invited to join our Slack group, our business Slack group. You know, they can participate as a team member. Some do, some do not, which is fine. When they are working on client-specific things, they attend the client meetings. There's always one or two people from our side of things managing the client meeting and making sure, but they definitely are there answering questions, getting questions answered, those kinds of things. From a payment perspective, we require that invoices are in by the 31st because we always invoice our clients on the 1st. So if you're a contractor and your invoice is not in by the 31st, you will not get paid until your next invoice comes through. So pretty much everybody submits because we want to make sure that we get those invoices onto our client invoices as well. And then we wire transfer money. I got tired of sending checks. We don't do checks anymore. We just wire transfer. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really big conversation and those are lots of questions, but that's the gist of it is we try to treat them as if they're a team member, if they would like, because I think that gives them more opportunity to learn the business and our clients and all those things. And then we require their invoices in by the, the last day of the month because we always invoice our clients on the first. I think we're at the end of questions for this episode. But I have an excellent one here from Howie. Actually, that I did not write excellent one from Howie because if I were to describe Howie, I would not say excellent, but okay. He's wondering what we do to show return on investment for clients who are doing influencer and content marketing. This can be one of the most difficult things to demonstrate since content and influencer marketing are both long-term strategies more than short-term ones. There aren't always easy, fast ways to measure results. Totally agree. And I would go back to my answer on the blog-related question from Kimberly at the start. You know, Those are the kinds of metrics that you're looking for. You absolutely positively can measure you know, a piece of content or an influencer that's driving sales for you and conversions for you. And you should, those are the kinds of things you absolutely can measure that. So yeah, it might be longer term. It may be that an influencer posts something and three months later is getting, you know, conversions for you or even a year later. So I would definitely, definitely, definitely do that. If you need help setting those kinds of things up, that's a different conversation, but those are the kinds of things you should be looking for is what kinds of conversions you're getting from your influencers and your content. And there we have it. But before I sign off, I have a lightning round. Three questions in 90 seconds. Do you think I can do it? I'm not going to time myself, but let's find out. All right. So number one, do you ever think stuff this? I'm off to join the circus. If you did join the circus, what would be your thing? No, I have never thought stuff this. I'm off to join the circus. I have thought stuff this. I'm going to go open a bakery with Laura Petrolino on an island. 
definitely have thought that probably once a week. But if I were to join the circus, my thing would be trapeze. Number two, what are the biggest lessons you've learned from your clients? Holy moly. I can't answer that in 90 seconds or less. Biggest lessons we've learned from clients. I've learned lots of ways not to act. You know, I really think that I have learned the business side of things from clients. I've learned from watching them. We had one client this past March when they sold the business, darn it, that we worked with for nine years. And I would sit in meetings and look at their financials and wonder how we could craft something for our business that was as predictable and scalable as what they had. We finally have it. We figured that out this year. And so, I mean, it took me nine years, right? But (laughs) I've definitely learned that. I think those are the biggest things that I've learned from clients is when you become a partner for a client organization, they trust you with that kind of information. And then you can ask, you know, that you're helping them with communications and they're helping you with the business side of things. And then number three, what's my single biggest consistent struggle day to day? Time. I mean, keeping it all together. I would say that's the biggest one. I have a husband who's traveling five or six days a week. I have a small child. You know, I'm running essentially two businesses with two PLs and a team. And of course, trying to ride my bike and craft my own content. And yeah, it's it's rough. By Thursday or Friday each week, I'm freaking exhausted. But I would say that's probably my biggest struggle is bandwidth for sure. And that, did I do it? I think I did. Oh, I think it took me 100 seconds. Anyway, that was a lot of fun. I want to thank all of the members of our community who submitted questions for this episode, and I'd love to hear what you think. Do you have answers for the questions that we talked about today? If you have more advice for our question askers, let us know. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, and of course, in the Spin Sucks community, which is free, so you should join. And the final question, should we do this again? I don't know about it. I guess I'm willing to try, but Should we do it again? And don't be a stranger. I'll be back next week with a new episode all about how to choose your battles on social media. Dun, 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 dun. If you're ready to change the face of PR, make sure you subscribe to the Spin Sucks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and a review. 